You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Are you crazy? Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Well, you saw the episode title already, which means you know which direction I decided to go which, with that title. Did I go the, the uh, inflammatory route or the silly route? We're talking about the, the, the salary cap today. And I think it's a good use of our time. Because there's been a bunch of conversation around the salary cap that that is not productive, uh, and, I, and I think this is I'm primarily seeing this on Twitter, not so much on like Facebook or uh, Reddit or Instagram, but really on Twitter. There's a bunch of just inflammatory uh, discourse around the salary cap, the Packers salary cap. And I think that in large part it is because a lot of folks can't separate their emotion from salary cap uh, conversations. And so you have some people who really want to uh, put the salary cap first and maybe have some emotion of, of fear playing into moves or conversations about moves, conversations about for example, Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers and their contracts. And then you have other people on the other side who have a lot of emotions of, hey, I really love this player. This player is really great. How can you talk about them like they're just a number? As though that's not how pro sports work. Uh, and I don't think it's productive to have, you know, these sort of after the conversation or after the fact conversations about what the Packers should have done because obviously obviously we can't have any impact on that. So Aaron Jones uh, took a pretty big pay cut of about five million bucks to stay with the Packers and immediately you have people, most fans really excited about, the news that Aaron Jones is staying with the team. And that, I think, is the proper response. You should be happy and excited that a really talented player who is a really good dude is sticking with the team. Uh, what I what I don't like, though, this sort of uh, dogpile mentality towards anyone who raises the negatives that come along with this. And... I did not experience this. My my first reaction to the Aaron Jones news was that they didn't free up as much money as I thought that they might. Um, but I, I I was not really anticipating pay cuts for Aaron Jones. I, I certainly don't think that he needed to take a pay cut. I I thought the Packers were going to give him an extension and lower his cap hit that way. And so looking at what they did, 
you know, obviously I don't love that Aaron Jones receives less money in his bank account total. Um, I, I don't think that he needed to take a pay cut, but obviously very grateful that he chose to do that so that he could stay with the Packers. Um, and I don't love that the Packers kicked more money into the future. Now, putting my feelings about that aside, because that doesn't really matter. I did not really experience any negative blowback um, for my comments about that. But I saw other people getting you know kind of piled on with this sort of angry vitriol of like, how dare you not just joyously celebrate with us? And, and I just, I don't see the how that's productive. There are both positives and negatives to this move. And that is true of just about every move uh, that is made in the NFL. And you know what? When, when the stakes are as high as they are for the Packers and the margins are as thin as they are, there's a lot of positives and negatives that come with every single thing they do. So I do think the proper response from fans Two news like this should be excitement and happiness. I, I think that this is, it's a very similar concept to winning a football game. I think no matter what the situation is, fans should basically always celebrate a win by their team. Obviously, you could have uh, a circumstance where maybe there's you know a horrific injury that accompanies a win and so it just like overshadows your ability to be happy about the win. I totally get that. All right. Um but let's say that like the the number one draft pick is within your reach and then you win a game that you didn't have any business winning and now that number one draft pick is out of your reach. I I, I still think that the proper response in that situation from fans is to celebrate the win. But that doesn't mean that the reverse has to be true, which is that you should never celebrate the loss. All right. I think that when the bears lost the, the final game that sealed in that they were going to be the number one pick in the draft, I think their fans were right to celebrate that because it signified a very good thing coming to their team. And similarly here, Aaron Jones is a very good thing uh, for this Packers team. There are negatives that come along with the commitment to devoting so much cap space to the running back position, for sure. But it's done. The decision's already been made. This is the direction the Packers are going in. They're not trading him. I, I certainly thought and still think that they could have gotten a first-round pick out of Aaron Jones. I think the Packers know that, and I think they would rather have Aaron Jones than the first-round pick. Think a bit, though, about how there are different ways to be a fan. Um, there is a, a, an individual uh, who listens to me and gets very, very frustrated, actually gets frustrated when he hears anybody who he disagrees with, put forward a point that he doesn't like. Uh, he's constantly sending me stuff and, and pointing stuff out and saying, you know, this is ridiculous, this is silly. Who could think such a thing? How could, how could anybody have this point of view? And to fan a different way than he fans 
is just unthinkable and like morally wrong. And it, it eats away at the core of, <laughs> of his happiness. It drives him insane. Uh, I see it. <laughs> he sends me stuff and he's just losing his mind. Very, very emotional about stuff. I, I, I just, I can't believe this. And I'm like, listen, dude, <laughs> you need to breathe and relax. Don't worry about how other people are fanning. All right. <laughs> it does not have to be your way or the highway. And unfortunately, the salary cap seems to be one of those issues that is really divisive to people. And I, and I think the reason is because the stakes are so high. And there are some folks who will tell you that the Packers salary cap is like the ultimate be all end all of how good the team can be over the next few years. And obviously that is not true. And there are other folks who will pound the table and scream about how it doesn't matter at all. And it's borderline imaginary. Obviously that's not true either. But the Packers were not very good last year. And there were a number of reasons why the Packers were not very good last year. One of those reasons was that the salary cap was restricted enough that they could not go out and take bigger swings at patching some of their holes. And they could not take additional swings after some of their initial attempts to patch holes didn't pan out. We had an enormous amount of the salary cap last year dedicated to allowing Zadarius Smith to play for the Vikings. <laughs> uh, Billy Turner was also a big chunk of the salary cap for last year, despite the fact that he was not on the team anymore. This year, uh, as it currently stands, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players who are not currently with the Packers. Although I certainly think that a minimum of one, probably multiple of these guys will be back with the Packers this year. But they're currently, what did I say, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm counting for the second time. <laughs> eight guys who are not on the Packers roster who we have to pay money for this year anyways. Pay salary cap. <clears throat> and it comes to $17 million. Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry, uh, Jaron Reed, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, and Mason Crosby are all a million or more. Uh, Adrian Amos is almost $8 million. That is dead cap. These guys are not on the team anymore. And then uh, Robert Tunney's half a million. Amari Rodgers is just under half a million. So you got eight guys who are not contributing. As of today, they are not contributing to the Packers' success in 2023, and yet they still account for a good chunk of our salary cap. Now, that is going to have an effect. $17 bucks will buy you a very nice player. As a matter of fact, we only have four players on the Packers roster right now, Rogers, Bakhtiari, Kenny, and Jair, who make more than $17 million. In fact, who make more than $13 million. <clears throat> So if you didn't have these eight players who are not on the team costing you this money, you could pay for the fifth most expensive player on this team for a year. 
What I want to do today is just have a conversation, and, and I, I'm not going to talk about like what is right and what is wrong when it comes to the salary cap. I'm just going to talk about what is, and we're going to do kind of a refresher on how a lot of this works because <clears throat> I need this refresher every year, and so do you. Because this time of year comes around where we are working on contracts, working on bringing guys back, working on bringing in new guys, and the way that everything is structured and restructured, you get to a point where you're like, dang, I I know that at one point I used to know how this worked, or maybe I never did. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into uh, the salary cap and, and contracts and structures that we just need to do a yearly refresher on. And we're trying to put together a big, shiny new contract for Rashawn Gary. And so a lot of, a lot of, uh, stuff from like Kenny Clark's contract is going to be relevant here. We'll also look obviously at Jair Alexander and Elton Jenkins, <clears throat> uh, two guys who have uh, uh, a lot of comparisons to Rashawn. But I, I think Kenny Clark is, is far and away the, the best comparison to what we are going to see from the way the Packers want to structure Rashawn Gary's new deal. But before we got into all that, I, I really wanted to stress that this is just educational. This is not me preaching. I'm not going to say... You know, here's what my stance is that, that this is the mentality that the Packers should have towards something. I'm, we're not going to get into that. I'm not an NFL GM. That guy who blocked you on Twitter because you had a difference of opinion from him is not an NFL GM. <laughs> and the Packers absolutely can field a competitive team with a messy salary cap this year. It is totally possible to do. They also can and have been uh, dig slash digging themselves out of the cap hellhole that they started out in, uh, you know, roughly a year ago with roots two and a half and three years ago. The Packers are working themselves out of their cap debt that they're living in. There are better and brighter days coming from a financial standpoint. There's also a lot of variables to consider as the Packers are trying to make their plan because as of today, and I'm recording this Tuesday night, so this episode is going to go up in less than 24 hours. You guys are going to, are maybe going to hear this after Rogers chooses to speak. As of right now, he has not informed the world whether he's coming back to the Packers or not. As of what we know right now, the Packers still consider themselves to be in the window of trying to maximize their time with Aaron Rodgers and trying to chase a Super Bowl ring. Now, there are some black and white truths. If you're talking to a guy who's trying to argue with you that the Packers have a very good salary cap situation, he's full of crap. It is not hard to mathematically prove that of the 32 teams in the NFL, the Packers do not rank very highly in terms of how healthy their salary cap is. Now, this guy 
might do well to make the point to you that a smart team that has a lot going for them and has some luck on their side does not need to be hampered by a bad salary cap, that they can still compete. And he could point to a team like the Saints and say, you know what? They're not as bad as the Saints from a salary cap standpoint. Which, side note, I don't understand why the Saints will not commit to a rebuild. This is beyond my understanding. They don't... A couple of years ago, you could see the logic. I disagreed with the logic. But they're saying, hey, we got Drew Brees, we got Sean Payton, we have to just go all in while we still have a window. Okay, I see your logic. You know, blessings. Good luck to you. Then Drew Brees retired, and it it no longer made sense to me for them to still be in this all-in mode where they refused to rebuild. But then, but then they lost Sean Payton, and I'm just... I don't understand. I'm not, and I'm not calling for you to tank. All right? I, I think tanking is dumb. I don't think tanking is a good strategy. I do think a rebuild is a very good strategy. You know what you can acquire in a rebuild? You can acquire young players. You can acquire draft capital for more young players. And you can still be competing as you rebuild. The only thing that a rebuild means is that you are committing to stop hurting your future by spending tomorrow's paycheck on today's vacation to Disneyland. And it means that you are spending less than you're earning when it comes to your salary cap. So I I think it would be very hard to be a Saints fan uh, right now. Just, Just very hard emotionally to have to watch this very directionless team. And I know they have some young players that are really exciting. You know, Chris Olave is a lot of fun to watch, but I don't understand what they're doing. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I see that, uh, what's his name? It's not Mickey Rooney. Mickey Loomis is his name? Yeah, Mickey Loomis, their GM. I, I know that he's made some moves recently with his trades that seem really smart. The guy has a lot of work yet to go to convince me that he is a smart GM, but whatever. So if you don't have your head into the Packers salary cap right now, uh, maybe you don't want to. That's fine. It's it's not everybody's cup of tea. But just to bring up to speed on where the Packers are at right now, they currently have uh, not quite negative $10 million in cap space. So they're minus $9.6 million. So they need to free up $9.6 million to get into the black. That's very easy to do. They need to free up additional more money so that they can sign their rookie draft class. Again, that's going to be pretty easy to do. There are quite a few contracts that we can restructure to create that cap space. Now, I want to talk about the word restructure because you see that all the time. It's always been a thing. Um but particularly ever since the COVID season when a lot of teams have been a lot more pinched and the Packers in particular have been more, much more pinched than they usually are. There's a lot more restructuring going on and restructuring is, is a very uh, misused 
I don't know if I want to say misused. It's a it's a miss. Um, it's an under understood term. <laughs> okay, a lot of people say restructure because they know that restructuring contracts exists, and they know that it helps you get more money or more cap space. Uh, but the thing that is frequently missed by your average fan on social media saying, well, let's, you know, is there any way we can restructure uh, this guy's contract so we can keep him or whatever, is that when you specifically restructure a contract, all it means is that you are changing when the money hits the salary cap. That's all you're doing. There's a lot of different ways to accomplish that, but if you restructure a contract, that's all you're doing. So let's take David Bakhtiari as an example. I don't think there's any chance David Bakhtiari is going anywhere this offseason. Maybe I will be wrong. I'll be surprised by that, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. But person A on Twitter says, well, we can't keep Bakhtiari. He costs too much money. He has a uh, $29 million cap hit this year. Person B says, well, can't we restructure it to keep him? Yes, you can. Not only can you, but the Packers almost certainly will. If you look over the last three years, Bach's cap hit uh, from 2020 through 2022 has been $16 million, $10 million. We'll call it 11 because it's 10.9. $16, and $13 million. Then in 2023, his cap hit is $29 million. Obviously, that's a huge leap. Not just in dollar amount, but even in just cap percentage. So in 2022, which was uh, kind of halfway between his 2020 and 2021 cap hits, David Bakhtiari cost 6.4% of the Packers cap. Now in 2023, he is set to cost 12.7% of their salary cap. Now, from the surface, all of a sudden... You know, the, the notion that that first person is pushing that well, the Packers have to move on from him because they can't afford him, it makes much more sense. Man, he's twice as expensive as he was this past year. He's more than 10% of our salary cap. That's, that's absurd. You can restructure him. You take money from this year, 2023, and you push it out into 2024 and beyond. Now, the problem is when those years come around, you still have to pay that money to the salary cap. And for all of this entire conversation, when I say you have to pay, blah, 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 we're just talking about salary cap. The Packers have very deep pockets and the cash money that they're going to pay to players is just not a problem. They have a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They're fine. And the the Packers are not in a situation where they have to structure contracts in a certain way so that they have the cash to pay for those. It's all about salary cap because you only have so many dollars per year that you are allowed by the league to pay the sum of all of your players combined. And that's your salary cap, obviously. And with Bakhtiari... You know, I just mentioned that if you restructure his 2023 $29 million and pay 
let's just say that it comes out to like half of it this year and half of it next year. One problem you face is that we have already been doing that with him for a bunch of years now. So as we keep pushing more and more money out into the future, you're still on the hook for past money that you already pushed out into your current future. So in, in 2023, we owe $11.6 million from past years. So of the $29 million that we owe him, uh, if 11.6 is just sort of dead money from la- from past years, you're really talking about a guy who's actually only costing us about $17 million of this year's money, which is really about in line with what he has cost us the last few years. So why this huge jump in 2023? Well, it's because in those earlier years, we were pushing those years' money out into this year. And we also did that for 2024. So you have $11.6 million that is baked into 2023 for like 2020, 2021, 2022. Then you have the new money that he is set to earn in 2023. And then in 2024, you do the whole thing all over again because there is $11.6 million that is different from the 11.6 million for this year plus the money that he is set to earn in 2024 plus the money from 2023 that we are about to push into 2024 from the upcoming restructure now what that means is that we probably move on from Bakhtiari in 2024 and then we pay a boatload of money for a guy who's no longer on the team or we keep him in 2024, and then in 2025, when he's no longer on the team, then we pay a boatload of money for a guy who's no longer on the team. And that boatload of money probably is going to be approaching $30 million for the guy who's not on our team. If that's the way that they go through with it, and they keep pushing out a similar amount of money every year, as what they have been doing. Now for Bakhtiari, on March 17, he has a $9.5 million roster bonus that is due. The Packers are going to take that roster bonus, and they are probably going to convert that into a signing bonus. And they are probably going to add void years to the end of Bakhtiari's contract. They probably will add quite a few void years. This is probably what's coming assuming Bakhtiari stays on a team in 2023. They're probably going to add I would say probably three void years. And all that that is going to mean is that there's going to be these pretend dummy years 2025, 2026, and 2027 that are not real, that do not exist, And the result is going to be whenever he leaves the team, whether that is at the end of the 2023 season or at the end of the 2024 season, there's going to be a very large amount of money that is due to the salary cap for a guy who's no longer on the team. And that number is probably going to be close to $30 million. The Packers could choose 
to take a more uh, moderate approach and push out less money. And that means you're paying more now and paying a lot less when it comes time for that 30-ish million dollars to come due. Maybe they only push out 20 or 25. I, th- I think it'll be certainly more than 20. They could choose that approach. They, they could choose to pay more now and pay less later. But there is a big old thing with the NFL salary cap as a total. And I mean all the teams put together. That has to be considered. And it is something that I am calling NFL inflation. And NFL inflation is a very, very good thing for GMs and for fans and for players and for owners. (laughs) NFL inflation is a very good thing if you like the NFL. But you have to understand it in order to... Use it to your best advantage. So here's the concept of NFL inflation. So you understand probably the concept of inflation, which is when there's more money, your money is worth less, right? Now, regular inflation, of course, is a bad thing, and it doesn't help you when your money becomes worth less. But NFL inflation is different because we don't spend... NFL money when we pay players. We spend American money when we pay players. The total NFL salary cap leaps every year for the next several years by by a, a big chunk. The amount that the NFL salary cap is growing is way, way outpacing um the inflation of the U.S. dollar. The NFL salary cap in 2022 was uh, $208 million, and it jumped dramatically in 2023 to $224.8 million. Next year, 2024, it's going to jump to $256 million. Now, because of that, everybody... so. Every team around the entire league is going to have more money. And that means they're going to pay players more. It means players are going to ask for higher contracts. And so you're not really going to have more money to spend on players than you previously did compared to other teams. Because all the players' contracts are just going to get more and more expensive. But for this little window... All the big deals you just signed everybody to suddenly become a much smaller chunk of your now existing salary cap. So your twenty twenty three dollar is only eighty seven cents of a twenty twenty four dollar. We anticipate that the salary cap in twenty twenty five is going to be at least $282 million, which means your $2023 is only going to be $0.79 cents of a $2025. And in 2026, when we're anticipating the salary cap will be $308 million, that's a full $100 million more than it was last year in 2022. 
and and which is i mean what is that a 50% growth from 200 million to 300 million all right then your 2023 dollar is only going to be 72 cents of a 2026 dollar so you actually pay a lot less when you push today's money out into the future remember when Brett Favre was making <laughs> remember when he was making 10 million dollars a year and what a big deal that was. Holy cow. Now, obviously, this is a very long time ago. But just imagine if you could have said back then, all right, I know this is a ton of money. But let's wait until 2020 to pay this. Because in 2020, $10 bucks is going to be chump change. Like, you know, you're, you, you can, you'll pay a safety $10 bucks. The Packers certainly seem to be trying to take advantage of this NFL inflation and, and pushing a lot of the cap hit into the future to try and take advantage of the uh, strengthened NFL dollar down the road. That is one of the ways that they are digging themselves out of this hole. Another way that they're doing it is moving on from guys like Zedarius and Billy Turner. We can assume that not all of the eight guys who they moved on from, really it's seven because Amari Rodgers just doesn't count, but we can assume that not all of the seven guys that uh, no longer are Packers, whose, whose contracts voided on Monday, will be brought back. And so that, again, is a spot where they are uh, moving on from some more expensive veterans Presumably in favor of younger, cheaper talent. And, and that's another way where they are digging themselves out of their cap situation that they're in. But what about like this Rashawn Gary extension? Isn't this going to really hurt the Packers? It's not. It's definitely not going to hurt the Packers. Yes, he'll be very expensive. But they've been planning this a while. And they could get a deal done early enough in 2023 that he's not just playing on his fifth year option, uh, which is $10.9 million. And they could choose to free up salary cap space by giving him an extension that lowers his cap hit in 2023. Now I think that Rashawn Gary is going to command somewhere in the range of about 26 to 27 million dollars per year and they're going to want to sign him probably to a four-year contract it might be a five-year contract a four-year extension which would put the whole the total contract right about the range of 117 million dollars over five years which would probably be reported as just a a four year extension worth uh worth one hundred and six, or maybe it would be reported as a five year deal worth uh worth one hundred and seventeen. Twenty six point five will put him ahead of Miles Garrett, but behind Joey Bosa and T.J. Watt. So he'd be the third highest paid uh, edge rusher in the league. I think it is more than fair, even though 
Rashawn was kind of held back a bit behind Zadarius and Preston for a couple of years. I think it's more than fair to tell Rashawn, like, look, if you want to be paid more than TJ Watt and Joey Bosa, you have to have some of the same types of accolades that these guys have. You know, they're, they're clearly not just the most talented, but the most accomplished pass rushers in the league. And, and that is, although Rashawn, I think talent wise is absolutely in their tier from an accomplishment standpoint, he hasn't, he has not done anything. And when it is number crunching time, when it is new contract time, uh, that's going to matter. So I think 26.5 million feels like exactly right to me. The Packers are going to want him for probably four years. They, they might prefer to have him for longer than four years. They might try and get him on a five-year deal. I think Rashawn probably would not want to be on a five-year deal. When you are at the age that he is, uh, you want to get to that third contract. You want to get to it a little bit sooner. You don't want to be playing a, a fifth year on your second year deal that now has you down among one of the lowest uh, of the you know top 32 pass rushers in the league and have to wait an extra year to negotiate a new deal in, in a, a world where, as we talked about with the NFL inflation, the deal that you signed back in 2023 it is worth peanuts in 2027, 2028. It's, it's really unimpressive at that point. But one of the things that they're really going to want to do with Rashawn Gary's contract is turn it into a cap cow. This is another term I'm coming up with. So you, I, I came up with NFL inflation and now I've got cap cow. The Packers really like these cap cows that they can milk year after year after year for more cap space. And Kenny Clark's is is the best example of it. This is was one of their biggest goals with Kenny Clark's contract was to turn it into exactly what it has become, which is sort of a never-ending source of new cap space every year. And the reason you can do that with a guy like Kenny or Rashawn is that they are a young uh, very young superstar who you want to keep around for a long time who commands a lot of money. Jair is not quite in the same realm because he doesn't make as much money as a cornerback. Bakhtiari is not quite in the same realm because of his age. Uh, Elton Jenkins, I think, is a very similar sort of a ballpark to Jair. But a little bit closer, like Jair is going to be a bit of a cap cow. Elton's definitely going to be a bit of a cap cow, probably a little bit more than Jair. But like Kenny and a, a young superstar left tackle and a, a young superstar quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, hopefully like Jordan Love, these are the very best sources of cap relief you can create because it's a young guy who is going to be here for a very long time that you know look we can push his money out for five years because we know we still want him here in five years like the only way <laughs> that Rashawn Gary is not here in four or five years 
is because there was some sort of a tragedy. You know, whether that is a, you know, an injury bug or for some insane reason you have a, a relationship issue that you just can't repair or maybe just who he is fundamentally just changes and he's just not the hard worker and not the, the talented player that you thought he was. Maybe you misjudged that. But there's no conceivable likely outcome that you would have to kind of hedge against other than just the unforeseen disaster that you really can't plan against that would cause him to not be here in four or five years. And so what you can do is you structure his contract in such a way, and and Kenny's was unique because they signed his deal just before the new league year, and so then they restructured it just a month or two into the new contract. And, And I remember... A bunch of people were asking the question, and, and I even asked it right away of like, man, if you're going to restructure the deal so quickly, why did you sign it to, you know, the way that you did to begin with? And the reason is it all has to do with uh, the league year and how you want the salary cap uh, penalty to come about. So what you do when you want to restructure a guy, when you want to push money out into the future... You convert stuff into a signing bonus. This is what the Packers like to do. They convert money into a signing bonus, and you hand Kenny or Bakhtiari or whoever it is a big, fat paycheck today. Say, go put this in your bank account, young man, and report to us for training camp. But because it's a signing bonus, and it's not just a paycheck for his salary, because you have now reduced his salary and just gave him money up front, which doesn't make it any difference, you know, when it hits his bank account. In fact, it hits his bank account sooner. It's it's good for him. But because it's a signing bonus, you don't have to pay the salary cap just yet. Not all of it. You stretch it out over all the remaining years on your contract. And that includes void years. In fact, it's the only reason that you have void years. And I will be honest with you. I I think that the NFL should get rid of void years because I kind of think it's cheating. (laughs) I I don't think it's super advantageous cheating. I I think that teams probably should not be using void years. That's my personal opinion. But a lot of them like to do it. To me, it's just one of those things that, like, if it didn't exist and you proposed it, everybody would think you're crazy. And the NFL would say why in the world would we let you have artificial years that don't exist just so you can cheat the salary cap? But they exist, and so we can do it. Now, the misunderstood thing with void years, to be honest, just about everything about void years, most people will tell you they don't understand at all. But let's say that they tack on five void years to, oh, I don't know, David Bakhtiari's contract. When you first hear that, your head kind of spins for a second, and you think, okay, well, that makes sense. It just means that once he's gone, that means we have to pay for him for five years after he's gone. Okay, I get it. Except that's not what actually happens. That is how it is set up, but when the years void, they all void at the same time. And so if you have five void years, and each void year has a million dollars on it, all $5 million are all due at the exact same time. And that is just the moment 
Those years are voided. All that money is due immediately. Okay, I do need to take a quick ad break, but I'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. But what the Packers like to do with these young players that they know they're going to keep around for a long time is... Uh, structure these deals in such a way, and, and you give them a, a nice big signing bonus up front, um, so they get a big infusion of cash, nice and early, and then you spread the cap hit out over a bunch of years. So your age, your agent gets to report that you made a hundred million dollars, um, and you get to drive home and tell your wife that there's a hundred million bucks in your bank account that you didn't have yesterday. And that's all fine and dandy. And then the Packers only have to pay out, um, a relatively smallish amount every year over the course of your contract. And that number gets less and less as it goes along because of NFL inflation. And because of that, you can afford to then, as you go along, take your remaining salary, your, your base salary every year, and convert it into additional signing bonuses every year. They have done this every single year with uh, Kenny Clark and David Bakhtiari. They want to structure Rashawn Gary so that they can do it with him. Uh, I feel very confident that they will be doing this to some degree with Jair uh, even though his contract is is significantly uh, smaller than some of these other uh, players, just because of positional value, um, Elton Jenkins is going to be another one of these guys. And the Packers' hope is that as they go along, the salary cap keeps going up. They don't face another situation like the uh, pandemic that caused. Uh, their salary cap to plummet so low in 2020. But even if it does, at that point, we are no longer in a situation where we feel like we have to maximize and, and go all in on the last couple of years of a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback's career. So one of the things that you will see for a long time going forward is that as you look every year at who has the most salary cap in the league, the Packers are perennially going to start out near the bottom of that list for several years. And then by the time the season starts, obviously, because every team 
manages to get their salary cap under control by the time the new league year starts. Uh, but the, the Packers will get to a point where suddenly they have a lot of cap space because they went in and milked all of their cash cows. Now, one of the things that you're going to see that I think you're going to see going forward, this is a bit of a prediction. You're going to see a shift. I think back toward more of these Kenny Clark style contracts and less of the Adrian Amos contracts. All right, Amos is a contract that in normal times, when you are not trying to recover from a pandemic year, his contract is one that you just really don't touch. And you certainly don't go add all these void years onto it. The Packers looked at it and said, hey, desperate times, desperate measures. Uh, Amos makes a good bit of money here. We are going to do a max restructure at all these void years, push out every single penny we can. We're going to do that a couple years in a row. And that leaves you with all this dead cap when he's gone. I think you're going to see a lot less of that going forward because I, it, it really sounds talking to Brian Gutekunst really sounds like that is just completely just a result of trying to make it through the COVID pinch without having to gut the football team. And instead, what they want to do is be able to create a bunch of these young cap cows like Kenny Clark and milk them every single year for the uh, space that you need to go sign your draft class, uh, sign other up-and-coming young stars to their own cap cow contracts, that sort of thing. And I do hope that you see... <laughs> That I'm using Capcow in like a positive sense, all right? That this is something you can continually go out and milk every year and get some more out of it. There is one more uh, big wrinkle that I think is interesting slash fun to talk about. And that is Aaron Rodgers' contract. Because he has strongly hinted that the contract is going to need to be tweaked if he's going to play. And we kind of have known that all along. Uh, but it's interesting now that it's kind of time. It's, it's, it's just about time to actually do the tweaking for the first time. The way his contract currently is set up, his salary is only $1.1 million. And then... There is uh, just under $16 million in uh, dead cap from, from previous years that is owed this year, 2023, that we can do nothing about. You cannot change it. You can't push it out. Nothing. It's, it's, it's from past years, and you can't tweak it in any way at all. Literally, the only thing you can do is make it bigger. <laughs> it's, it is currently $15.833 million of prorated bonus. You could make it much, much bigger than that. That's the only thing you can do is just increase it. But he does have a guaranteed option worth $58.3 million that is going to kick in at some point. And I don't know when the decision point for that is. Uh, I heard somebody say it's in March. 
I don't know when it is. Over the cap does not mention when it is. Rodgers also has $14.5 million in something that Over the Cap is just calling other bonus. Spotrack handily has some notes here. I just I don't always trust Spotrack, so I'm giving this information here with just understand that I'm taking it with a grain of salt because Spotrack often does get stuff wrong. They say the Packers have between March 17th and the start of the 2023 regular season to decide on picking up that $58.3 million option bonus for Rodgers. Now, here's the interesting thing. The way the option bonus is currently set up, and it's, it's, it's guaranteed salary, the way it is currently set up, the Packers can either pick it up and then it can be a, a prorated bonus across all four remaining years of his contract for about uh, 15, 14 and a half million dollars per season. I think that this is the $14.575 million that over the cap put into the other bonus column uh, because it's the exact same dollar amount. If the Packers choose to decline the option bonus, then it instead turns into salary. So Rodgers then is owed uh, basically $60 million and has a total cap hit in 2023 of over $70 million. They're not going to do that. If Rodgers decides to play anywhere... In 2023, either for the Packers or for the Jets. One thing that is almost certainly going to happen is that Rodgers is going to sign off on changing some stuff with this option bonus. The dollar amount, I don't think, is going to change. It could. It could. He could agree to a pay cut. I don't. I don't think that he will or needs to do that. But he certainly could agree to a pay cut if he wants to stay in Green Bay and give them more flexibility to go out and get some pieces. And I, I think that that is something that Aaron should at least consider is, is what if I were to, you know, say, hey, Packers, here's uh, $22 million as long as you promise that you're going to spend it on this particular wide receiver that I want. Not saying he will do that. Not saying he should do it. I'm saying he should think about it, though. Come on. Just contemplate if that would be worth it to you. But if the Packers trade him, they do face a limitation, which is there is $40.3 million that they have already paid to Aaron for past years that has not yet hit their salary cap books. And so the second you trade him, that cap hit, immediately becomes due. So if you were to trade him prior to June 1, a.k.a. before the draft, a.k.a. if you wanted 2023 draft picks, I'm just saying this because a lot of people, when they're doing their Packers mock drafts, they include an Aaron Rodgers trade in there so they have extra draft picks to work with. 
if you were to trade him that early that you would have 2023 draft picks, that would mean an extra $40.3 million in dead cap that hits your books this year. If instead you traded him after June 1, then you'd only have a $15.8 million dead cap hit in 2023, and then $2024.5 million in dead cap uh, next year in 2024. It's the same amount of money, it's just split into two different years. But I think it's very interesting to think about what Aaron is thinking when he mentions that they w- that he would have to sign off on uh, changing his deal in order to play in 2023 because there's not a, a ton to change here all right his his base salary is already as low as you can go it's 1.165 million dollars that's i think that's just the vet minimum he can't change anything about the dead cap from past years the only thing he really has any control over is he could waive the $50,000 workout bonus. I think he has not met the minimum requirements to earn that workout bonus for years anyways. And But again, it's fifty grand. It, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things here. The only thing he can really do is touch that $59 million, $59.5. And since it's an option bonus... And you can already pick it up and uh, prorate that cap hit out over four years. I'm not really sure what he's signing off on other than a pay cut. And, And I don't think he would take a pay cut. I just don't know what else he could be referring to. Uh, you could add void years, um... I I wouldn't want to do that, Uh, but you certainly could. That might be what he's talking about. If you added void years, and I'm not sure, I I think there might be a limit. I I know there is a limit to how many void years you can add, uh, but I think that a prorated bonus can only get stretched out over a max of up to five years, including void years. I might be wrong about that exact figure, but I think it's five. In which case, you could only add one void year here. But he would have to sign off on that. So if you added a void year, then this $59 million option bonus would get spread out over five years instead of four, which would be a significant difference. You're talking about a savings of a Three, about $3 million this year, which is not very much, but, you know, every penny matters. But I just, I'm going to be really interested to see what exactly they change if he plays somewhere in 2023. Now, the really big problem is that if he plays in 2023 and does not play in 2024, the Packers are left holding the bag uh, for $69 million that they owe him in, or that they owe the salary cap for him in 2024 when he's not even playing. So that's pretty painful that you're paying almost $70 million for a guy who's not on your team. So if he, if he plays in 2023, you kind of need him to play in 2024, and it would need to be for the same team. 
uh, if that team is the Packers. Like, he couldn't play in 2023 and then get traded and play in 2024. Like, that that wouldn't help, just in case you were wondering. All right, sorry I got a little bit long-winded today. I just have been wanting to talk about a lot of this uh, for a little over a week at this point. There's just been so much going on on uh, Packers social media and and just hearing uh, fans and creators talking to each other. And uh, I'm just, I'm really just not a fan of the way that the, the discourse is going And I, I think that there is just kind of too much condemnation that I'm seeing flying around and, and too much uh, being upset that other people don't agree with your way of thinking. Oh man, I, I can't believe that you're not grateful to Aaron Jones for taking a pay cut. Okay, don't need to attack other fans for that. If you find yourself getting upset at the way that other people fan, might be a good idea to take a step back and fan by yourself for a little bit. Rooting for the Packers does not have to be a group activity. If you can't control your emotions and rein it in and let other people fan their own way. That's not an other people issue. That's a you issue. What I tried to do on this episode, and maybe I accomplished it. I, I probably didn't for a lot of folks, <laughs> but what I tried to do is just provide information, provide some ways of looking at things. Yes. How healthy the Packers salary cap is, does impact their ability to put together a successful football team. It does. It does impact. It does not cause. It impacts. The Packers could have been a very, very good football team in 2022. They weren't, and because of the salary cap limitations that they were facing, they did not have very many options to try and fix the problems that were in front of them. What that means, though, (laughs) is that if you say, hey, this is going to happen, or no, you're crazy, this won't happen, and then you happen to be right, that does not mean that you were right all along. I said, and many other people said prior to the 2022 season, that the Packers' defense was going to be very, very good. Was I right? I wasn't. It's hard to find a metric that convincingly says that this was one of the best defenses in the NFL. Let me give you a different example. Uh, Zadarius Smith. Prior to the 2021 season, I gave a list of reasons why I said we needed to cut Zadarius. Now, in hindsight, if you don't look closely at the reasons that I gave at that point, I look like a genius because, wow, man, (laughs) Zadarius had a crazy 2021 season. And like now he's this like big Packers supervillain. He's not on the team anymore. Yeah, we should have listened to JJ back in, in 2020. I don't think that the reasons I gave were bad, but they are certainly not the reasons that anybody would give as to why Either Zadarius is not here now, or why they're glad he's not here now. 
because my reasons did not include him sustaining an injury in the preseason that was going to hold him out for the entire 2021 season. It also didn't include him acting like a complete nut job and alienating his teammates and then deciding he hated the Packers and signing with the Vikings. If you want to come out and laugh at fans from another team who were telling you your team was going to be no good before the season and then you were good, that's part of sports, and that's fine. I think you should be willing to own up when your predictions end up being pretty bad. Even if you are right, but you are accidentally right because you were right for the wrong reasons, like I was with Zedarius. Because my list of Zedarius reasons were, hey, he's not actually as good as people say he is, which was true. My reasons were, he's kind of always hurt, which was true, but did not factor into me thinking he was going to miss an entire season. And my reasons were, if we keep him, we're going to be locked into a lot of money over the next few years that we really can't get out of, and we don't have any room. Well, guess what? That ended up happening, and then it was no longer even a part of the equation when we did move on from him. Like, that was already a done deal. By the time we did have the the serious conversation about, man, it is time to move on from Zedarius, like, it didn't matter. That that money had already been locked in a long time ago. That, that was no longer a factor in considering whether we should keep him or not, because we were already locked into that money. Just think about what I said. Fanning for your team as a group activity is a lot of fun. And if you are struggling to make that fun the focal point and are letting your own emotions about your opinions, about how one should fan get in the way of being able to fan shoulder to shoulder with other people, you should take a step back and fan by yourself for a little while until you can detach your emotions from the topic. And that, I think, is a really important thing to to consider and contemplate and practice right now because we are about to go through a really big Aaron Rodgers thing. Whether he comes back for one or two years, or retires, or gets traded, it's about to become very, very dicey, and very heated, and a lot of folks are going to be very, very emotional. They're going to be angry, they're going to be saying inflammatory things, and I will tell you, there is something that does not make you a good Packer fan. And we saw a lot of examples of it in the Favre to Rogers transition. And that is very angry fans arguing with each other, condemning each other, trashing the organization because we're not doing things my way. And let me tell you, you do not want to be the next turlet bowl guy. Rogers, who the only place he's gonna take you to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Favre, who will take you to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm just saying, we're not going to talk about that.